All right, so y'all know we've been doing the Talking to God, a uh, series in Psalms. Um, and last week we had Daniel uh, Daniels come up and he actually did his own personal psalm. And uh, he did an amazing job at it. Um, I was really touched by it. And just were super brave to even do that because Psalms is a gut-wrenching book. It's like, you know, lay it all on the line or whatnot. So this morning, I'm pleased to have my daughter, Imani, or as I call her, Imani Joe, do it. And um, so she's going to actually read her personal psalm or whatever. I done slid her some money or whatever, you know what I'm saying, up to allowance to not put my name in it, you know what I'm saying, and have mercy on me. Go ahead, babe. Love you. Thank you. Okay. So here's my psalm. God, why have you given me six children? I didn't ask for six children. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, the, it's my personal song. Here's the, <laughs> the one I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. How many times can I mess up in the same area? How many wounds can I cause to the ones who love me the most? I start to hate who I am. Why am I so terrible? I fall, I get back up. I fall, I get back up. I fall and I stay down because I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of looking stupid to those around me because I've fallen so much. They'll think I'm phony or a hypocrite. I'm tired of trying. I feel like everything I thought I had under control has either, has either been snatched from under me or never existed. What am I good at? I'll dress the best, fail. Boys, I'll have boys, fail, in trouble. I'll have a lot of friends, fail, and tangible. I'll make good grades, fail, and literally. <laughs> Why can't I just do something right? Why can't all my friends be so full of sin but seem so fine? Making better grades, having fun, not worried about anything. Why are you making me need you? I feel so helpless. God, help me accept who I am. Help me accept the fact that I do need you, that I can't go on without you, that my identity doesn't lie in how well I do in school or how a guy views me. Help me to not care about what others think about me or if they think I'm a hypocrite. Help me to really understand the goodness of your grace. God, please change my thinking because it has become my reality. That was amazing. So I'm going to come up here and try to act like that, then just, uh, you know. That was amazing, Monty. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, all right, y'all ready to do this this morning? All right. Okay, so we're going to be in, um, we're going to be in Psalms 82 this morning. I think Monty just pretty much spoke my whole life to me right there. That's basically how I feel all the time. Like, Lord, I'm a wreck, and I need your help. All right. Y'all ready to do this? All right. Let me just pray before we start. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for watching over us, keeping your angels round about us, Lord. Father, we thank you, Father, Lord, that what we're doing here today is not about us. Um, it's not about doing church. It's not about doing religion, Father, Lord. But... um we're in need, Father Lord. We're in need of something. And, uh, and, 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 and we're here for that, Father Lord. So I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, that you would move through me, Father Lord, and speak. Speak to your people. Speak to me, Father Lord. And um, what you would have be said, what you would want us, want us to know is um, I pray that we would hear it, receive it, have the ears to hear it, Father. And we just thank you that we can worship you in freedom, be here in freedom, Father Lord, and um, embark on this journey together, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Psalms 82. I wanna, I'm going I'm to read through this whole um, chapter really quick or whatever. It's really a short chapter, um, but I just want to read through it real fast and kind of give you a snapshot of it. I know that's kind of weird or whatever, a little different, and then we'll kind of backtrack. Um, but this is what it says. It says, um, verse 1 says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless, 
Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said you are God, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Um, so this is a really quick book, um, but there's a whole lot to it and a whole lot that I think is being said. One of the reasons that I personally chose to use this book is because it speaks to kind of like just where I'm at in life right now and like some questions that I feel like God is asking me. Um, you know, most of y'all know that, you know, I have a store and everything or whatever. And basically from my store, I have like just a snapshot of just everything. So my perspective, you know, coming, being a believer, being a, in a church that was very much religious, you go do church, this is your typical, you do your praise and worship or whatever, everybody skins and grins, says hello, keeps it moving, comes back and does it every single Sunday, and then all of that other stuff. And then when I got to the store, it's like crackheads, um, homeless people, people just in really, really rough situations every day. To the point that it's literally overwhelming because now that I've been there so long, I know so many people. So it's like it just hits you constantly. You're constantly taking care of people. Um, you make money. You give out money. It just becomes the function of the day, right? So for me, one of the things I've really been feeling like God has been asking me is, um, you know, what are you going to do? I feel like, you know, the, if the perspective is that. It's a lot uglier than I ever thought it was. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So it's like as I'm seeing it, it's like, okay, I'm doing something, I'm helping, but it's like it just keeps showing itself to be uglier than I even imagined. And so I'm in this place and in this season where I feel like God is like, well, you have influence in certain areas. Are y'all hearing that sound? Is it ringing? Hey, George, you, you think try to hit that for me if you can. And uh, so anyway... You know, all right. Anyway, so um, but I'm just in that place where I just feel like I feel like God is asking me that question. Like. You and, and let me say it this way, it's not even about like just going to do something. It's about this question that he's asking me about the changing of an identity. You know, what I'm saying it's something that's he's looking for me to do where it changes really the trajectory of where my life is going like. There's a responsibility here, right? There's the, the, the need is great. You see the afflictions. You see the injustice. You see it on another level. Like you can't go home and just sit and, and, and sing Kumbaya like everything is good, right? So that's why this scripture right here kind of hit me. And so I was like, man, this is right where I'm at. And then when I started to get into it, it was kind of ripping through me a little bit more than I wanted to. And I, and I actually tried to go to another psalm to preach, but I was like, Man, you know, I just feel so vulnerable preaching it because I'm in the middle of it. Does that make sense, guys? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of in the middle of this question myself as we go through it. So as I'm kind of hitting this stuff, even though it's kind of heavy, it's uh, meant to kind of um, hit me as well or whatever and whatnot. So this first um, verse right here says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Basically what he's saying right here, he's saying God is judging amongst gods. Like he's like like he's the capital G God. We're little G gods. Um, a lot of the references I took when I was studying this, I went through Spurgeon. Um, and, and, and so it's talking about people who are empowered in position being judged by the most powerful. Um, you know, the, the context is this right here. People are, you know, this is happening in a time when Israel is full of corruption. All right. So people in position, they're just doing slimy, grimy stuff. But this works with us so well because we are actually in positions of power as well, right? We're, we're believers or whatever, so we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So it puts us automatically in a position of power. So we can relate to this without taking this scripture out of context. And then also it's like this hits every form of authority. So if you're in authority, if you're at a call center and you're in authority, if you work at, you change oil, if you work... Um, you know, in politics, whatever the case may be, this is basically saying, um, and, and I think I think Aaron hit it earlier when he said, um, we we are believers or whatever, but we are going to be judged also 
um, by what we do. It's saying that don't play around with this power that you receive, right? So that's what he's saying in this first thing. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of, God, in the, midst of the gods. He holds um, judgment. All right. And then verse two says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? So he's asking this question. He's he's in the council. He's talking to the powerful. So he's talking to us um, and he's saying he's he's basically the concept here is that bribes come in many forms. Like as I kind of, you know, work through this or whatever, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, God, you know. When I get confronted with this stuff I'm talking about, these ugly things that I'm looking at, people, you know, straight starving, the young men who I, I see that are going in and out of jail, but their perspective is that there's no hope. You know what I'm saying? So from, from my comfortable, nice suburban neighborhood, it's easy for me to go, yo, what the heck is wrong with y'all? What are you doing, man? Are you crazy, right? But then when I go to their neighborhood and I look from their point of view, I'm like, wow, that actually looks like there is no where to go. Does that make sense? And a lot of times we've never gone into that angle or we've come out of it and we've forgotten what it feels like, right? So, but the, but the idea is, is that there is no where to go. Like in, in most neighborhoods, in a good neighborhood, if you're a kid growing up, selling drugs is not even on the table. That's not even an option. That's like, my future's messed up. In another neighborhood, it's like, we're starving this is a very good option. It works very quickly. I know guys right now, whatever, that they're like, I'm like, yo, what's going on, bro? They're like, man, I'm, I'm in the dope house right now. I had to make some money. I take care of my daughter or whatever. And, and the concept is like, I don't want to do this or whatever, but I just got to do something right now. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, I can't put a check mark by that and say that's okay. But at the same time, I am trying to grasp their perspective, right? So, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because, when I'm looking at this right here to confront how ugly this really, really is, this messes with my comfort because it's asking me to go do something. Does that make sense? Like, you know, I wish it was just simple to say, like, man, I can go, um, you know, just encourage this dude real quick or whatever, but it really requires us to get involved, right? So... We're going to work through this together or whatever and kind of talk through this some more. Um, so when he says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Right when he's asking that question right there, he's speaking to power, as we're seeing. The context here is that there's corruption. Israel is corrupted just like the United States is right now. Um, the context is exactly the same as our present day context. It, it, it's exactly the same. Uh, um, I just saw on uh, TED Talks the other day. They had a guy on there talking. He said one in 10 people who, who die on death row are innocent. One in 10 people. So imagine you're going to get, you know what I'm saying, you're going to get a root canal, and the doctor's track record is one in 10 people die when they go get a root canal. So what I'm trying to get us to think is we really don't have the right to be killing anybody because our system is too jacked up, Right. Who, how in the world can we even put the discussion of death on the table, right? I'm not trying to get political. I just want to point to the heart. In the church, but that's corruption. Um, in the church, 80 to 90% of the kids that go through the church, go to college, never come back. For us to do church as normal and not respond to statistics like that, that's corruption. You, you know people by what they do. You know people by the, by the fruit. And we can look at a lot of churches or whatever. And I'm not church bashing. I just want us to understand that we are in the present day. It's, it's the same deal. That's corruption. When money is the objective and people are not the objective, that's corruption. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Big business, churches, big business is corruption. The juvenile system right now is overlaid with corruption. Um, me and Jeremy Shirk, we went to, we had a couple meetings at the uh, juvenile detention center. And the um, lady we were with, she was telling us how, just how bad off the system is. And she said, um, she said, there's people here that they just simply don't care. You have kids that'll stay here for weeks and weeks, and somebody just needs to sign a piece of paper. Like, the, their heart is gone. It's just a system for them. There's no love in it. They don't care about the kids, everything else, whatever. That's corruption. So 
I, I, I just want to take that snapshot and, and really drive that home with us or whatever, because um, I think when we read the scriptures sometimes or whatever, we just put it like a far off deal. But we're standing right in the middle of what's going on here. It, like if, if God was here, if Jesus was here right now, we'd be in the same battle. Does that make sense? So how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? So here's a question. Why would we show partiality? Like, why, why, why do we do that? Because we're, we're, we're in the middle of this right here. We're in the middle of this picture. Um, we're very much guilty in this sense or whatever. And, um, and, and I'm swinging the sword around like that or whatever and whatnot because, like, this is just the way it was hitting me as I was reading it. Personally, it was hitting me, right? So um, a lot of times it's our, our reputation is at stake, right? So y- y'all have heard me say this before. Like, a lot of the dudes that come to my shop or whatever – um, they're a little thuggish, ruggish, you know, bone, you know, and, uh, so there is this disdain that comes from the people that are around me because of that, you know what I'm saying? The other business owners and everything else. I try to make sure everything is conducted appropriately. Um, sometimes I have to kick dudes out of there like, Hey, homie, you don't know how to act and you're in front of my store. You got to hit the road. That, that is, that happened this week. You know, that's normal, whatever, but um, we try to make sure we serve the community with the intent of really dig, dealing with that stigma. Like, I understand it's there um, and, and so forth or whatever, but that's something I learned early on. It was like, you know, I wanted to have my cute shop and everything or whatever and all this stuff in my little store. But when, when I really saw the work God had called me to, it's like, you're going to get called this too. You're going to be suspect for doing this work. You get where I'm coming from? So it's like you go help a drug dealer, you're probably going to get called a drug dealer. You want to go help a prostitute, you're going to get called a lover of prostitutes. It's just going to happen. That's what happened to Jesus. What are you doing hanging with those people? Why are you rolling with those people? This week I was in a bar with a guy, and I went over there to ask him to use his bar for a a music video. And um, when I was talking to him, oh, yeah. This kind of rabbit trail, but we're going to stay on track. Did anybody see me on news on the news Monday? Anybody? Just a show of hands. I was skateboarding. I was at Cone. I, I'll send you the link. Just holler at me. I'll send you the link or whatever, right? But, but anyway, it was about that, the one father who pushed his son down the skateboard ramp. But I, I rolled up to Kona with my son to give him a skateboard. And uh, basically in the story, I got to play super dad to the guy's bad dad. You know what I'm saying? So I rolled up in the parking lot. As soon as I rolled up, I was like, yo, Leon, get your hair ready. We're about to be on TV. Because I saw, I saw the news guy, and I, I, I saw the news guy, and I knew the story. And I was like, oh, this, we're it. Father and son about to skateboard together? Like, this dude is like, this is the story of the year, right? And sure enough, he rolled right up on me, and we went with it or whatever, right? I'm going to lose everything I was talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I was at the bar. And I'm showing a dude who owns it or whatever, right? And I'm showing him the story and everything and stuff. And he was like, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I didn't, I said, I was trying to not really throw a rock at, you know what I'm saying, the guy who, with the situation with his son. And I said, you know, they, I could tell they wanted me to really just go in and, yeah, I'm just so disgusted with that father and everything else or whatever. And I really strayed away from it. And as I was telling that, telling the guy, I said, bro, I said, you know, I said, the gospel is that, yo, we've all fallen short. I said, man, if I throw a rock at this guy, it's going to hit me in the head first. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't want to play that position. And he, he looks at me, and he's like, he's like, bro, man, I, I, I love you. I, that was the most beautiful thing you just said right there. Like, I can't believe you didn't take that opportunity to, like, play it up like you had it all together and you caught that. You know what I'm saying? And so... um a little bit of a rabbit trail there, but, you know, I, I'm just saying that to say that, man, amazing stuff happens when we take the walls off and go places, whatever. Like, God is so many places waiting for us to make a move. But the thing is, our self-righteousness trying to protect us and protect our reputation, protect the way we look. We're like, we've made all of these good and bad areas or whatever. So it's like, that's a bad place. Don't go over there. Don't go over this, right? Don't don't go here. Don't do all that stuff. And then my mind, is, I'm thinking in my head as I'm reading this scripture or whatever, I'm saying, what in the world makes us think that we can escape the disdain of this world being on us while doing the work of Christ if he had to wear all of our disdain? Do you get where I'm coming from? 
Like if he had to, if he was called a drunkard and everything else as he attempted to save us and did, a, and did it, right? Like how, how, do, how do we join him in his work and not be called the same thing? Like you get what I'm saying? Like Aaron said earlier, yeah, as a church, we're a hot mess. You know why? Because if we're being evangelistic, there's always going to be people walking in and out of these doors. So we're never going to look cute like everybody wants the church to get. We should never get there because I'm hoping that we always stay in a place where people are coming in from all sorts of situations, all areas of life at different stages because we're going out and we're constantly bringing people in or going out to them, but they feel comfortable coming in this church. Like they, they, they don't come in here and feel like, no, nah, we don't, I don't got it together. I don't belong here. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? So it's like, this is like really, um, it has to do with dying to ourselves because the bottom line in, in this is always the bottom line. It's about money. Like it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the idea of the root of all evil is, is uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? It, which is, we can trans, we can translate that as comfort. Hope y'all didn't just see that fly out of my mouth because the light just showed it to me really well. All right. But anyway, so sorry, but anyway, so. But do y'all get where I'm coming from? So that's really what's at the heart of the scripture. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? We turn a blind eye because it costs something to do the right thing. It costs our reputation. It costs time. It's, it's, it's the, it's the um, good Samaritan, uh, Samaritan uh, scenario all over. You got to cross the street. And you're going to get blood on your clothes. And you're going to have to spend your own money. You're going to have to spend time. And you're going to have to invest in a person. Um, Another thing, too, or whatever, um, and, and you can, you know, when it says do unto others as you have them do unto you, you can translate that into um, save people from the trap you would want to be saved out of. Does that make sense? You can say, save people out of the trap you would want to be saved out of. So when you're looking at society and we're looking at people ensnared and caught up and we and we see what it is and we can look at it from, from a, a, a honest perspective, it's like, we, we, this is calls, calling us to react to it. Um, it's calling us to react to it. So let's look at three and four. So three and four says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. All right. So, so this is a command right here. God is telling us in, in, uh, I'm saying this like a straight punk right now, because if we could hear God saying this, he would be screaming this. Right. He has a scepter of justice. So this is not a this is not a game then or whatever. Like if you want to do church, this is doing church right here. This is what he's saying. Like if you're going to do something, whatever, like do this like this is serious to him. This is dear to his heart. This is not like a add on to the list of stuff that we're supposed to pursue. This is his heart right here. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Last week when Matt, I think Matt was in Psalms 102 last week, and we talked about the idea of being destitute, basically where we have nothing, where there is nothing, there's just simply nothing. And God welcomes us into his presence when we're destitute, when we're broke, busted, disgusted, right? You can be well off and still have a heart, a destitute heart, and feel completely like you have nothing because you don't value anything else. Um, y'all have heard me say before, whatever, like we have to stay rich because of Christ. Once we start thinking we got something else or whatever, then we're in bad shape, right? It'll deceive us, right? So, um, so look at the dues here, right? Give, maintain, rescue, and deliver. What? Justice and rights to who? Weak, the fatherless, the afflicted, the destitute, uh, the destitute, the needy, and from what? From the hand of the wicked. So, God is basically, he's addressing a, a perverted system in the scripture right here. Um, he's, he's speaking to a system that devours the poor, the needy, the afflicted. Y'all with me? That's what he's speaking to. Um, the... The, the the question is, is what is our perspective on the system, right? Sometimes I, I think, you know, you have to, 
You have to come out of what's common to you so you can see things in an honest way. Does that make sense? Like you have to you have to come out of I think we all have our kind of rhythms of life we do every day. We wake up, hit Starbucks, hit the job, um, maybe go to Target or whatever, head home. Netflix, of course. Everybody's on Netflix, you know. Just, you know what I'm saying? Depending on the night, probably watching Scandal or whatever. Whatever your show is or whatever, right? So we have our normal rhythms, right? So what I was speaking about my store, what happened with me is God really knocked me out of my normal rhythm. And so when I got out of the rhythm, it's like I got to really, really, really see what was really, really going on, right? So I was with, um, we have a guy that he's been coming lately or whatever. His name is Ant. Um, Ant's not here today, but he, um, not too long ago, he was down by my store in him in Plaza, and he was doing this uh, a rally or whatever, basically just a rally about injustice and so forth. So I was kind of checking out Ant at the time or whatever and wanted to see what he's about. So I snuck down to the rally. The news was there and everything. And when I sat there, I was blown away because there was like mother after mother coming up to speak about their sons getting killed. And then there was a... Um, there was a whole family, and they were all holding signs, the kids and everything, and they were um, protesting about their uncle getting killed right in front of them um, and, and, and so forth by an officer, right? And, uh, and I don't know the, the, you know the specifics of that and stuff, whatever, so I don't want to you know, point at the officer or anything like that. But nevertheless, as I sat there and I kind of listened to what, what was going on, um, I remember it was raining, and I listened to the protest, and then I left, and it's like my heart was just, like, hurt because I was like, man, all of these people showed up. Like, they just wanted a voice, like, somebody to hear them. Like, it's like they were just, they, you know, they, they had all of the information concerning the politics around their case, and they're like, we've been here. We've protested here. We've tried to get people to research it here, and I'm just listening to story after story and st- after story, and it was just gut-wrenching. It was like, wow. Like, this is, this is horrible. Like, no, like, nobody cares. It's like the family members are dead and nobody cares to hear, right? And so my perspective has just been constantly been getting hit. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's been constantly been getting hit, whatever. And that's why this scripture, even though it seems simple and quick and to the point, it says a whole lot to me. Um, so I was chilling, my shop is like a barbershop or whatever, right? So there's always people in there talking and chilling and stuff. And I have a friend of mine that he, um, just recently, he started working in the courthouse or whatever. So he, he comes by the shop and everything or whatever. And he's, uh, I think he, I don't know what he does, but he deals with a lot of high profile people, high profile cases. And he comes to me and he's like, um, so he comes in the shop and he's like, Hey, what's up fellas? There's a bunch of us in the shop. And he, he's telling us and he's saying, um, he said, hey, man, you know that case with the young lady? Um, her name is Marissa Alexander. Does anybody know about that case where she shot the warning shot into the wall um, and, and so forth? I don't know all the specifics, but from what I do know, she had just had a baby. Um, her and her um, spouse or her ex-husband, I'm not sure, whatever, they got into a altercation or whatever and whatnot. And like I said, the details may be shady or whatever, but basically from what I understand, she went out to the car. And she retrieved the pistol. Um, and I, from what I understand, that he had been hitting on her, had several other situations where he'd been hitting on her. And they really was having a bad night because I think they may even still be in a relationship. But regardless, what happened was she shot a warning shot, shot into the wall. And she went to court and she ended up getting 20 years, minimum mandatory. Like brand new mother, kids, 20 years shooting a warning shot into the wall. So when my friend comes in, he starts talking about this situation. I'm listening to him, and he's like, yeah, man, you know, he's explaining the case as if, yeah, that's why she got the 20 years, you know, because she shot at the wall, you know, the kids were there or whatever, and this and that, da-da-da, whatever. And I'm listening to him, and then he walked out the door, and he, when he walked out, I got everybody's attention or whatever that was in the shop because there's a lot of young guys, and I said, you know, I said, man, that's that's my friend right there or whatever. Like, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. But I I had to point to the fact I said everything he just said, like, I go, he's been working in the system. And the system has perverted his thinking to the point that he thinks that that's actually logical. Like, he, he just got caught. He's caught up. Like, it's not two plus two equals four no more. It's like, you know, some other stuff going on. You get where I'm coming from? Like, 
There's no way in the world somebody should shoot a warning shot into the wall and sit in a prison cell for 20 years. And for, for us to think, because the way the law works, that that was understandable. It's the law is broken. And, and, and the reason I'm just using the story is to point to how, fact, how, how quickly we forget, how quickly we completely get so caught up in this carnal system that we can't even make the truth out anymore. Does that, does that make sense? Like we completely forget just even logic, just day-to-day logic. We start thinking like the world, processing like the world, um, and just falling for the, the garbage. And before we know our heart, is just hard. Like it's just hard, right? Um, What's really crazy about this, the most astonishing thing is that we forget that we are, let me just read this stuff to you again real quick. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So all of those characteristics, weak, fatherless, afflicted, destitute, needy, we forget that this is where we're at when God saved us, right? Like we completely forget the idea of grace. And, and, and so we start calculating who deserves what. Like, I do it all the time. I fail at this all the time. I have homeless guys come by the shop or whatever, and they're like, hey, man, I need this or whatever. I take care of them. And then some days I'm like, get out of my face. Just being honest. And then God deals with my heart later on because it's like, it's like, how many times you come to me begging? I'm begging them all day long. But how, how easy we forget that we are actually, we're actually, we're the weak. We are afflicted. We don't get to add up who deserves what, right? Um, I wish I would have marked this down, but you remember the story where, um, the, the, the story or whatever, it's in the New Testament, but it's about um, the guy or whatever who has the large debt. And then the judge lets him off scot-free, and then he runs out, and he jails somebody who has a smaller debt, right? That's us. That's us. A, 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 a large debt. Like, he's telling us to do justice right here, but God didn't even do justice concerning us. He did beyond justice, right? He did beyond justice. Like, we do have a debt that is so big we can't pay it. And with his son's blood, he wipes the debt clean, right? But when we go out and in our thinking from day to day, we go out and we arrest people. We go out and arrest them. Unforgiveness, being judgmental, right? Staying in our safe place. Like, like to do this work calls, from, calls for an almost um, reckless abandonment. You know what I'm saying? What's the scripture that says they didn't even love their own life? Like, this confronts me so hard because I'm like, God, I move like I love my life. I move like I'm trying to protect me, right? I'm trying to get it together. But there's this cry and this scream from the streets in front of all of us. And God is calling us to respond. And I know this looks different, like... Um, I don't know what it looks like for us to respond to this. It looks different ways, right? But this is, you know, we're, we're not going to leave here with this completely finished and figured out. You know, I'm hoping that we'll leave here um, pushing through these questions and in, in, in just the way God is confronting us and however it's supposed to look, right? Um, but I think it definitely is about a new identity. I think it definitely is about the trajectory of our life changing in a lot of ways, right? Um, I think it's definitely about us being rooted in the promise and not about what's going on right, what we're trying to get right now, but the fact that we can lose everything right now because we're going to get everything one day. That's the promise. That's what we're supposed to be locked into all the time. That right there will make you crazy. Like, it'll make you straight wild, man. Like Chuck Norris, man. 
All right. So um, I just want to read this real quick. It says um, Matthew sixteen twenty one. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on, that, on, the, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. So this scripture popped up in my mind, and the reason it popped up in my mind is because, like, Peter, and I'm just taking a little shortcut. We're still going to stay on songs. But Peter, like, wanted to be cute. Like, you know what I'm saying? Peter was like, no, Lord. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's not going to happen to you. Because Peter in his mind was like, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, man, you know what I'm saying? You're the, you're the father. We're, like, going to rule and reign. Like, Israel, that's the, that was their whole mind. Like, yo, he's going to come back. He's about to redeem everything. We're going to be in power. We're going to stand on our enemies' necks. And, and they're right. That is what's going to happen. But it looks completely different than what anybody thinks it's going to look like. Right. Right now, while we're still alive, it looks like us getting completely just splattered. Like it looks like us being floor mats. Right. That's what it looks like. Peter was not up for that. He he wasn't up for that when he denied him three times. He was like, "Yo, I don't want no parts of that. Like we all do this all the time. Like when we see just. The mess that's before our eyes. We're like, I don't want any parts of that. Let's come on, play the Netflix movie. Let's keep on rolling, right? So, but God is saying, yo, your mind is on worldly things. You're carnal minded right now. And I know, I know I fall into this place all the time. I think it's about things just getting better, getting cuter, getting funner, getting easier, all of this stuff. But it's about dying. And then he, then he tells, then Jesus ends up telling Peter later, like, yo, when you get older, boy, it's going to look ugly. Like, this is not going up for you. This is, it's going to go down. What if that's our story? We still rolling with him? What if that's what he's saying about us? I think we have to hit ourselves with these questions. Um, and, and, and process this stuff or whatever. Because it's the truth, it's the gospel, it's in the word. So it's like either we're going to kind of just stay on cruise control and kind of, um, you know, just kind of sip the Kool-Aid and roll till the wheels fall off, even though we know, know we're going over a cliff, or we actually look at the word for what it really is. And what it really says is that there's suffering for us who, who really are going to live out the gospel, right? Um, but he's inviting us into his work. And his work looks like us being a floor mat. Me and Amari were at one of our friends. Um, uh, he was in ICU this week or whatever. And uh, we went to go see him the other, other day. And when I was there, he was saying, uh, he said, uh, he was talking. He had like a mask and tubes in him and stuff. And he was like, man, he said, you know, but I'm not a floor mat. You know what I'm saying? And so I forgot what verse I pulled out. Amari, you remember what I, what verse it was? But anyway, so the uh, so anyway, I, I I went into the scripture or whatever, and it was basically the scripture that says that when you get hit in the cheek, you know what I'm saying, you turn the other cheek. Somebody asks for your cloak, you give them everything else. You give and you don't ask for anything back, right? And I and and I pointed him to that scripture because um, the circumstance for him being where he was at was absolutely crazy. Like it was absolutely actually an overdose. And he literally died and was found, and they revived him. Like, the, and the circumstances behind it were absolutely a miracle. And so I knew the religious mindset he had, so I, I wanted to make sure that I pointed him to that or whatever because I just knew God was working with him and dealing with him because he had spared his life, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and he should have been brain dead and all type of stuff, and he was completely fine and he was talking. But I had to point him like, Bro, this is, this may not get better. Like, you're actually called to be a floor mat. Like, Jesus became a floor mat. He got trampled on, spit on to the point of losing his life, right? And I, I just think it's necessary to point to this because I think as God deals with us as we go our separate ways or whatever and, and just throughout the week, when we're dealing, we're looking at injustice or whatever, like, we need to realize this as we start processing what it's going to cost, right? All of us have to ask those questions. I'm asking myself that, like, God, what does it look like to 
tackle this particular thing or to go after this particular area. This grieves my heart to see this. What do I do about it, right? Um, all right, so let me read. Uh, let me read five. It says, they neither have knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Um, basically, what is being talked about here when it says they neither have they neither um, have neither knowledge nor understanding, it's um, it's basically saying that when justice is perverted, that everything is out of order. There's no fairness. There's no um, equality. There's no objectivity. There's no equity. There's 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 nothing. Everything is perverted. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I look at uh, I look at justice almost like the concept of like energy. Like there's only a certain amount of energy in the world, and it's like it, it can be transferred. But if you transfer it over here, like this goes like this, and if it gets pushed back, it's like this right here. So when we look at our hearts, which can be selfish and greedy, a lot of times there's somebody who's down over here when we're trying to be up over here. You get where I'm coming from? Um, God is just, he, he's just saying at least, at least be fair. At least give people um, a fair judgment. At least look at the circumstances um, with an honest eye, right? That's what this is saying here. And it's saying that it, it's, Saying that we're 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 blinded, and everything is out of order. In Israel, they were blinded, and everything was out of order. There was bribes. There was no justice for the poor. There was nobody to plead their case. Right? It's the same as today. All right. All right. Uh, verse six says, "I said, you are gods. You are gods, sons of the Most High. All of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince." All right, hold on, real quick. I just want to, um, I just want to use this example or whatever, right? So, and I'm kind of going back to the whole concept of the foundations being shaken. But um, so this week I've had this rental car, and um, and I have XM radio in it, and I never have XM radio. Does anybody have XM radio? No XM radio. So I'm like the only one balling in the church. All right, all right. I see one or two people. Mom's over there. She got one. Okay. All right. That's my mom over there too. Say hello, mom. All right. So. Anyway, so I've had like XM radio, so I'm like listening to all type of stuff, whatever, right? And I was telling, I was telling my boy the other day, I was like, so I'm like listening to like the the hip hop stations. I think like Eminem has has one or whatever, and I like to hear what these dudes are talking about because it kind of gives me just what's going on in the street. And I've been listening to it, and it's just been like grieving my heart, like in the most craziest way. I'm like, man, I can't believe they're like talking about women like this, right? So um, the other day. Um, Tupac comes on, all right? So, who knows who Tupac is? Who knows? All right. Because y'all trying to act like y'all excited when I said Tupac or whatever. Y'all know about Tupac. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to get all extra religious or whatever, right? All right, so this song, he had this song that came on the other day or whatever. I didn't even write down the song. I think this is like um, Keep Your Head Up or whatever, right? And, but anyway, I'm going to just read the lyrics or whatever. But it says, and since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman and our game from a woman, I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women, do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that will hate the ladies that make the babies. Um, and since a man can't create one, he has no right to tell a woman when and where to create one. So will a real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies, but keep your head up. So that song came on while I was in the car the other day, and it was like such a a, a contrast to, um, I know it seems silly, but this is what happens in my crazy head or whatever, right? <laughs> but it was such a contrast to what I had been hearing, and it, it almost like, it almost brought me to tears because I was like, oh my God, like, what what happened? Like, you know what I'm saying? How we, how we get to where we're at now from that, you know what I'm saying? And it, you know, it came to my mind when I was reading the scriptures because it's like all the foundations are shaken. They're just corrupted. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, even with, you know, just hip-hop music, whatever, even if you're not a fan of hip-hop music, but it used to be that it was very much linked to a lot of college institutions and there was esteem in doing the right thing. 
There used to be songs like Do the Right Thing. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like women are just like nothing. And then people are like celebrating it. And I'm like, this is horrible. You know what I'm saying? It's horrible. But there's no justice. Nobody has defended their their case in the situation. Nobody felt the need to go, this is wrong, and scream and yell about it until somebody listened, right? A lot of the leaders or whatever got a little bit of money in their pockets. Like when we were talking about the bribery earlier, they get paid off of it, so they kind of shut their mouth and let it do what it's doing. You understand what I mean? Um, all right, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But So it says, and I, verse 6 says, I said you are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. Never, nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall, shall inherit all nations. Um, he's just summing this up by saying, you are in power. You are gods, but I judge amongst gods. Um, but you're little gods, like, and you will die the death of any man or whatever. Um, you will answer to me. And, he, and, and then at the end, he, um, Asaph makes the plea, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. And that goes on to just end this by saying um, a lot of this stuff is an absolute mess, but there is a hope, right? And the hope is that one day he's going to return and he's going to set all government in order. And and uh, those that are his are going to rule and reign with him, right? So, but the big thing, too, that I just want to make sure we end with is this right here. We we have what God did for us is absolutely scandalous. None of us are going to get this right. So this is not um, this is not me beating you over the head like do this to make yourself acceptable, right? Because none of us are going to get this right, and and and, uh, and and we're only saved by the grace and the mercy of God. But this is about pointing to such a a gift that we've received that is just unfathomable, right? That he sends his son, he sends his son, and he, he well, let me say it like this right here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He gives his son for the lost, which is us. If he's willing to give his son for the lost, for the destitute, for the needy, for the afflicted. Like, what is our love towards people supposed to look like? You get where I'm coming from? Like, if he, if he was willing to give his son up for that, like, we can't be nonchalant about people and human beings. Like, they are the priority. They, they, they are the work. They are the prize. That's, that's his prize. That's what he's... Not going to be awarded for how many barns we build and how what we fill them up with. The treasure is going to be the people, the souls that we that we bring into His kingdom, preaching the gospel, the work that we do. That is the real prize. And so, you know, I'm hope I'm praying that this word is just heavy enough to kind of slap that deceit out of us or whatever. I know that I need that or whatever too to get back to the truth and the real root and what is really the prize. Like sometimes I hear people, they'll tell me, they're like, man, Jay, like you go a little bit too hard for people, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? You need to be careful. You know what I'm saying? And um, and and I, I agree with them. I do need to prioritize a lot better, make sure my family's in that picture a lot better um, and, and get those things in order. But I'm like, man, if I if I have an area that, I may be slipping up at, and I want to be slipping up at, it, it really is in the area of people or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes when people say that, they're really saying, like, you know, you take care of your money, man. Like, And I'm like, taking care of my money is not going to really take care of nothing like that. Like, God's already taking care of everything, right? He gives, he, he, he provides. He's a good provider. He's a good father. But he gives us room and he gives us space to pursue people with his love. And, and, um, and, and that looks like us all day long, whether you're at Starbucks, where you, whether you're just no matter what you're doing at your job every day, um, there's a way to love people without words, with words, with gifts, with whatever you need to do um, in the hope that we will win them to Christ. And just like when you're in love with a woman and you'll go through whatever you got to, to, to woo her and everything else, if you got to send her a note, if you got to send her an email, if you have to give her a compliment every day, you will slowly do it. It's no different with, the, with winning people to Christ, right? I'll just end with this, whatever. Not too long ago, I was just talking to a guy, and um, he was sitting with me, and he said, um, said, man, Jay, he said, you know, 
people don't want to go to church because they don't want to hear the truth, you know? And uh, that's what he's telling me. And, 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 uh, and I, I said to him, I said, man, I said, really, the statement you just made, um, I said, is, is completely about yourself. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, this is what you just said. I said, you just made a pot of good people and bad people, identified yourself with the good people, and you completely didn't acknowledge Jesus Christ and his grace and mercy. Like, if you are in the church and you are pursuing God, you're only doing it because of God's mercy, grace, and his Holy Spirit opening your eyes, right? So we don't have time to tell a story about good people and bad people. We just need to tell the story about a good God, right? That's the whole point of this whole entire thing is proclaiming the goodness, the mercy, the grace of God. Um, so, So that's... That's it for today. Um, And I just pray that, um, well, we're going to close with that, but let's go ahead and pray together, okay? And then we're going to take communion, all right? So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, we ask that you would please deal with the hardness of our hearts, our um, fight to, to make ourselves good outside of you, our self-righteousness. Um, Father, deal with that, Lord. Help us to love people the way you've loved us, Father. Help us to be merciful. Help us to be just. Help us to um, get past our fears and be bold enough to stand up to speak for people we see getting trampled on. Help us to stop identifying ourselves with the fix or or being fixed outside of you, but to see ourselves as destitute, as needy, as afflicted. In other words, revoke our, 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 our membership in the Q club, Lord, bring us down low, um, in our hearts and spirit, father, Lord, and make us rich only in you and what you've done. Help us to stop loving our things and to stop protecting ourselves, so we can cross the street and get dirty. You said blessed are are we when people call us all sorts of names. Lord, I'm not getting called enough names, which means I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Help us get out of the cute club, Father, so we could do your work and honor you, and lift you up, and bless your holy name, and and bring people into your kingdom, Father Lord. So we just thank you for that, Father. And Father Lord, we thank you for the table we're about to take, the communion, Father Lord. We thank you for your body being broken for our behalf, Father Lord, your blood being spilt, Father Lord. We just bless your holy name, Father. And we're, and we're rich because of you, Father. There's, um, there's not words that we could possibly put together that could express this, Lord. And uh, so we just honor you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.